And, and uh, we're looking at the intersection of God's power and human frailty um, as it connects with what we should expect in prayer. And so I sent out a, a sheet in, with this prayer, meet, uh, prayer link today that has these verses, and I'm just going to read them. Uh, they are the promises of prayer from the Gospel of Matthew and John. Matthew 7, uh, 7 to 11, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Matthew 18, 19, and 20. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Matthew 21, 18 to 22. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled and said, how did this fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. John 14, 12 through 14, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And then from John 15, 7 to 9, and 15 and 16, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And from John 16, to 24, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Well, Mark Twain's Huck Finn uh, made this classic statement. Uh, Mrs. Watson told me I could get anything I wanted by praying for it. She said, if I go to my closet and pray, I'd get it. And I needed some fish hooks one time. So I went into the closet and shut the door and I prayed. But toward so, 
and I got to thinking about it, and I decided there was nothing to it. Now, many Christians have come to the same uh, conclusion. They're just not as honest as Huck is uh, about it. And they, they may try to spiritualize away their, their disappointment, saying something like this. Well, this was not uh, part of the ultimate will of a sovereign God to grant my prayer. And of course, that can be true at some times, but it can also be an excuse, a dodge um, for what's really going on in their hearts and minds. And there are two really common things that uh, happen to Christians. One of them is uh, a kind of fatalism, which that might give expression to, that uh, God's will really leaves no room for these promises and the expectancy they create. One thing about these promises, and why I read all of them to you, is that it's not just one little verse. Jesus says this many, many times. And uh, the force of that shouldn't be lost in us. And our first response to these promises should not be just to uh, bring to bear all these uh, balancing theological truths. Because these promises are meant by the Lord Jesus to awaken within us expectant faith. The other thing that's, well, sadly, very common is a practical deism. So deism is a, a, a view of the world uh, that says that God's the uh, universal clockmaker. He made the universe. It's like a clock. He, he built it, and he winds it up, and it runs down. And pretty much, other than if it needs a little winding, he's not there. He's kind of absent. He set it all into motion, and he's gone. And I suppose that uh, for uh, those of us who may have a scientific bent or are interested in looking at things rationally and causality, there may be just a little bit more tendency. But I say it's practical deism because you can believe that the full uh, glory of God is manifest in the universe, that he's sovereign over every atom, but you can live as if God's really not very involved in your life. The last time we read Isaiah 40 and talked about how our high view of God uh, ought to awaken in us um, both imagination and courage to pray. Uh, our Father rules from heaven, and our lives are lived under his uh, providential care of a loving, active, and intruding God. And it leads us, it should lead us to a place, lead us to a place where we are expectant when we come in uh, frailty and need to God, because there's nothing that we can bring to him that's more than he can do. There's nothing uh, too big. Uh, there's nothing more than he uh, can handle, uh, nothing that overwhelms him, uh, that his promises are, in fact, backed by his power. So, what I'm saying is, is that our view of prayer needs to be rooted in God's revelation of himself. And if certain uh, prayers are not answered, it's not because these requests are beyond God's ability. And, and so we, as we pray, we should pray confidently, really, that nothing is impossible with God. And it means that we should uh, be comfortable believing that God is able to intervene uh, to do what ordinary people mean by working miracles. One of the people that most exemplifies this is a man named George Mueller. Mueller was a Christian evangelist and director of Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England in the 19th century. He cared for 
10,000 orphans and he never asked for funds and he never ran a debt. He relied on God for his needs. His biographer says that um, Mueller wrote down his prayer requests because he believed that a permanent record of his specific requests and its answers would help accumulate, as he writes it, evidence in our own experience that God is personally a prayer-hearing God. In his lifetime, Mueller recorded 50,000 specific prayers. And he said approximately 10,000 of them were answered the day that they were prayed. His biographer writes, on one occasion, eight specific requests are put on record together with a solemn conviction that having asked in conformity with the word and will of God and in the name of Jesus, that, uh, that uh, George Mueller had confidence in him and that he heareth and that he uh, has the petitions thus asked of him. And so by asking in Jesus' name, Mueller intends not only to ensure Christ's intercession, but indicates his willingness to submit to God's will. Mueller expected God to answer as he knew best, and the record of answers to specific repair prayers also reminded Mueller that God's response could be more glorious and wiser than Mueller uh, had made in his request. On one occasion, he wrote, I believe he's heard me. I believe he will make it manifest in his own good time that he's heard me. And I have recorded these petitions on the 14th day of January 1838, that when God has answered them, he may get through this glory for his name. And Mueller saw in there just enorm an enormous number, really, of extraordinary prayers that were answered in very unusual ways to provide for the orphans. But if you knew his whole life story, you might realize that uh, such expectation on his part must have been hard to sustain uh, many times. Um, during that same time that God miraculously provided uh, for the children in his orphanage, one of his own children was stillborn, and his wife became grievously ill. Through the course of his life, Mueller buried two stillborn children, a one-year-old son, an adult daughter, and two wives. Why would God allow such vastly different answers to his prayers? Well, until we're in the presence of Jesus, we simply won't know. But we can know his divine character, that we can trust the one uh, who uh, Jesus has told us uh, will hear and answer our prayers. Now, among the passages I read to you uh, tonight were <clears throat> this passage from uh, Matthew 21, 20, where Jesus says, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Now, Jesus doesn't say, if you have such faith, your prayers will be answered. Rather, he makes it a straightforward exhortation. Have faith in God. Pray and you will be answered. The volume or quality of faith is not an issue. In other words, what he's saying is you can have either A or B. You can have unbelief or faith. To have faith is to refuse to be unbelieving. A faith that's willing to ask for miracles, however tentatively, 
is a faith that one day sees miracles. The doubter suspects that God doesn't have the power to do the impossible. Allowing these doubts to shape one's prayers is to reject the worldview that Jesus is promoting. Now, many people pray, pray daily, but have no real confidence in God's ability to act uh, in, in this way. Um, they have no confidence that God can transcend the natural order of things. Uh, their prayers allow no room, at least for the possibility of miracles. And so they're, they're made in, well, unbelief. Now, it's natural, and I, I know some of you are just really pushing uh, inside and to what I'm saying, and I, I want to answer the question that isn't being expressed out loud now, is this expectancy an ironclad guarantee? Does what Jesus says here in uh, Matthew 21 when he, uh, and 22 when he says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you receive if you have faith, um, does it mean as long as the request is made in genuine faith, then anyone is free to ask for anything, and that person is guaranteed a positive response from God? Well, it sounds like that, and yet it's a simple fact of life that many people have desperately sought uh, God's divine supernatural intervention and been disappointed. I have prayed many times for marriages to heal for God to give new hearts uh, to people whose hearts were cold and like a stone, and for restored bodies. And still marriages end, hearts are unchanged, and illnesses progress. So just how are we to understand these words of Jesus, uh, that prayers for miracles always receive positive answers? Well, one part of it is, is to appreciate that Jesus is stating an unbalanced truth to make a point. And he does this a lot, actually. Jesus is attacking unbelief. Cynicism is the enemy of prayer, and skepticism is corrosive. It eats away at it. And it was one of the reasons we began this study that I recommended Paul Miller's book on praying life, because ours is an age of cynicism and skepticism. We just really don't believe uh, when people promise us things, uh, we, which just sounds too good to be true. And so we tend to, well, we tend to meet almost everything with an expectation of cynicism. This isn't, you really can't take this at face value. The second thing that um, we need to appreciate here is the future tense of the verb, and it will be yours. So the final fulfillment of all of Jesus' miraculous promises awaits Jesus' final return. That will points beyond uh, our time horizon, the horizon of next week or next month or next year or even our lifetimes uh, to the fullness of Jesus' uh, return. Uh, miracles don't always happen uh, precisely as we'd hoped. There is an already not yet character uh, to Jesus uh, coming. He has come, and he will yet come. Jesus has brought uh, to an end, but we wait for the end. Jesus has brought salvation. Salvation is complete, and yet we wait to be saved. We wait for our salvation to be complete. And as we pray for miracles, and you believe your petitions have been heard, and that God has already responded 
Some of those answers arrive quickly and others, uh, some in our lifetimes and others are going to come at the end of the age. <clears throat> and this is of course uh, what George Mueller himself experienced. So when we pray our father in heaven, we're bringing together intimacy and expectancy. And uh, for me, there's probably nothing that reveals more to me the grandeur and glory of God that lifts my eyes up uh, than <clears throat> the glory of the night sky or his power uh, displayed in uh, nature. To stand uh, in the night sky without all that light pollution and behold the Milky Way in all its glory just makes me feel small and it reminds me of how great uh, God is. I mostly have to depend on pictures uh, from uh, uh, space, from telescopes to really get a sense of that uh, anymore. I'm rarely in a place that it's that dark. Sometimes when I'm up on a, a mountain hiking, um, there's a place in Tennessee uh, called Fog Mountain and uh, spent a few nights there. And uh, the exposure on that knob is such that all the, the shrubs are just gnarled and twisted because of the constant power of the wind. Well, why does it matter that we are expectant in prayer? Well, it's because the good that needs to be done in the world, the good for the poorest of poor, sickest of the sick, and the most desperate of the desperate is considerably larger than our deeds of mercy, our working for justice, or our giving. Things are cosmically out of hand. We started at the end of this prayer, and this should be, I hope, completely clear to us that evil includes far more than the nasty little things we do to one another. Evil is organized, massive, subtle, and deeply cosmic. And only a great vision of God uh, will make us boldly extravagant in our asking. In our asking uh, for bread for the world, uh, peace among the nations, for healed marriages, for cured uh, cancer, uh, for rain where there is drought. And, and it's good news to know that Jesus is interceding for us. He's, he's saying in part in his intercession, what she really is trying to ask for, Father, is this. What they really think they need but lack the imagination to ask for is asked. Um, in his book, The Divine Commodity, uh, Sky Jethaniah shares a story from a trip he took to India uh, with his father. <clears throat> While walking along the streets of New uh, Delhi, a little boy approached him. The boy was as skinny as a rail and his limbs were twisted up like coat hangers. Uh, otherwise, he was naked except for some tattered blue shorts. Um, his, uh, <clears throat> he, because of his condition, he waddled along on his calloused knees and as he made his way towards Sky and his father, he cried out, one rupee, please, one rupee. And, uh, and this is what happened. His father asked him, what do you want? One rupee, sir, the boy said while motioning his hand uh, to his mouth and bowing his head uh, in deference. And his father laughed. He said, how about I give you five rupees? And the boy's submissive countenance immediately became defiant. He retracted his hand and sneered at us, and he said, uh, he thought my father was joking, having a laugh at our expense. No one, after all, would give up five rupees. The boy started shuffling away, mumbling curses under his breath. 
My father reached his hand into his pocket, hearing the coins jingle. The boy stopped and looked back over his shoulder. My father was holding out a five rupee coin. He approached the stunned boy and placed the coin in his hand. The boy didn't move or say a word. He just stared at the coin in his hand and we passed him and proceeded across the street. A moment later, the shouting resumed, except this time the boy was yelling, thank you, thank you, sir, uh, God bless you. And he raced after us once again, but not for more money, but to touch my father's feet. This, uh, Seth writes, is how I imagine God sees us as miserable creatures in desperate need of his help. But rather than asking for what we truly need, Rather than desiring what he's able and willing to give, we settle for lesser things. So as a pastor, I've been to many prayer meetings like we're about to have. And I've often heard people not really ask for what I knew was in, in their hearts. And so I want to uh, close by posing these two questions to you tonight. What truly God-sized request would you ask for if there was no cynicism in your heart, no skepticism about Jesus' promise, no wanting to blunt the strength of uh, what he says? What would you ask for our church? And what would you ask for our lives? I've sometimes asked people to actually write it down. Uh, and... Uh, and I, I never ask anybody to share what they uh, wrote. Uh, but I've seen uh, God do some extraordinary things because that question was posed to people and people's faith was awakened. They came out of the slumber of thinking that everything is just ordinary and routine with God and that he can't break into the world and do something extraordinary. Well, I hope and trust that these uh, uh, little lessons on the Lord's Prayer have stimulated uh, your prayer life, not just your thinking and, and uh, uh, your learning from the scriptures, but actually really has resulted in a, an increase of depth as well as breadth, bringing into your prayer life uh, that full list of things that these petitions uh, cover. Thank you for listening attentively. And uh, for those of you that are uh, going to be joining us this summer, uh, we'll be doing a study in the book of Hosea, which I'm looking forward to very much. Thank you.